IFM 101.9 megahertz of life. Welcome back to Salta Salam Rabbi Ari Kivan. It's great to be with you here again today. And last week in our Tanya Talk series here on Salta Sol, we were talking about what makes us happier and what doesn't, what draws us down. We discussed how to shed those negative emotions that we have within ourselves. And today I want to spend some time focusing on positivity. On positivity. Can you say that again? Positivity. Positive emotions. What would it take to make us happier? And why is it that sometimes, even if we're not unhappy, we're still not happy? So before I get, before I launch straight into that, I just want to basically recap some of the ideas we discussed in previous weeks. And we talked previously about the negative emotions. And we know there's a major difference between being in a mode of my nefesh alakis, my godly soul, versus the paradigm of the nefesh Bahamas, the animal soul, seeing things from a self-centered, narcissistic perspective. So while the nefesh alakis, while our godly soul is the ideal way to live, Obviously, as human beings, we have our animalistic tendencies as well. And it's true, our Nefesh Bahamas attempts to solve negative emotions. How? By reducing the cause of negative feeling. So, it's obviously, we understand that if there's something that is causing me to be unhappy, I should address that particular issue, whatever that might be. And my godly soul perspective is very different because it renders the problem irrelevant. The idea is that I have to focus on a godly perspective. So, for example, let's use several ideas that we previously discussed. There is a concern people have, I'm inauthentic, you know, I call myself a religious Jew, and I perhaps dress the part, but do I live the part? Am I true to myself? Is it my real, genuine, sincere self? And people oftentimes, in fact, this is a medical condition of inauthenticity. And the natural way to deal with it would be, okay, so be more authentic. Don't do things that you don't believe in. And you'll stop feeling inauthentic. And indeed, if that were the case, then the religious person who's going through personal strife and struggle inside and grappling with whatever issues of belief, of faith, of practice, and say as well, maybe I shouldn't do any of those things because that's not the real me. That's not the Nefesh Elohis perspective. What Tanya teaches us is that every good deed is actually 100% authentic. So every time I'm doing the right thing, it's not an all or nothing proposition in Judaism. And indeed, I might not be completely authentic to who I am. I might not be behaving completely with, in line with who I want to be. But that doesn't negate who I am. It doesn't reduce what I am doing. And the same could apply to other instances, such as when people feel shame. And we discussed, we dedicated one show to talk about the difference between shame and guilt. And the natural thing would be to say, well, fix whatever character flaws I have, whatever is bringing that shame upon myself. But what we learned in Tanya is that we have to understand that our character flaws are part of 
ourselves. It's a gift of God. It's part of our personality. Our struggles that we fight to perfect ourselves, to make ourselves better people, that's part of who we are. That's what actually, in fact, shapes our personality. That's what brings us to the state where we become the people who we are. Because indeed, firstly, do you have a contract that life will be smooth sailing, rosy all the time? Just because I have struggles, well, it doesn't mean that I have to give up. That's part of who I am and it shapes the personality. I got to say today I attended the funeral of a good friend, Mord Perlov. I'm sure many of you knew Mord. He's been talking about his experiences. He was born in 1926, his journey when the Soviets took over and he was sent to the Gulag. He had a horrific childhood. And many challenges beyond that. And he was there with the establishment of the State of Israel and the difficulties getting to Israel and being sent to Cyprus. And many people who are familiar with similar stories. My own father had similar situation getting to Israel in the Exodus boat and the British sending them back. And yet he did not allow those difficulties, the trials and tribulations of his life to define him. That's what shaped him. That's what turned him into who he was, to the great person who he became. So, if I'm feeling guilty for doing something wrong, well, the natural thing might be, okay, either forgive myself, move on, fix the situation. But Tanya tells us that sometimes we experience things in our lives that we know are perhaps part of our character flaws. And that is what will shape us. Those experiences are indeed what makes us who we are. And finally, we talked about anxiety, about worry, about sadness that oftentimes takes us over. And it's not just about managing our feelings, but rather if we could understand that there's good in everything. So even though we've experienced sad challenges, difficulties in our life, we have to find the hidden good that is within each of it each of those incidents. And the same would be true with our happiness. While it might be that, physically speaking, what makes me happy is things, from a spiritual perspective, it's not that more things I have, the happier I'll be. So this is going to be our topic of discussion today, and we'll be right back. Hi FM, your station of choice since 2008. And welcome back to Salt to Solomon, Rabbi Eric Kiebman. And we were talking today about happiness. What is it that can make us happier people? And I want to actually pick on one element of the Parsha this week that stands out to me particularly. And that is when we look at the first of the ten plagues that befell Egypt, the first two evolved around water. In the first plague, when the waters of Egypt turned into blood, and in the second plague, there were frogs that came all over, although the Medrash tells us that Sfardea has different meanings and understandings. Some say it could be a crocodile or an alligator or a fish monster. Whatever the case is, most people agree that it was frogs. And these miracles, each of the plagues, in order for them to happen, Moshe Rabbeinu Moses had to take his staff, and he had to initiate the plague. Well, the first two, actually, I will say the first three, were not, Moshe himself did not strike the water in the instance of the blood 
which was striking the Nile River, or in the second instance of the frogs, where instead he instructed his brother Aaron to do it. Now the question, obviously, is why couldn't Moshe strike the water himself? His staff was used to strike the Nile by his brother Aaron. Why did his brother have to do it? If we continue through the rest of the plagues, like I said, it was only the first three. The last seven plagues were generated by Moshe himself. So why were these so different? And our sages tell us that this was because when Moses, Moshe Rabbeinu himself, when he was a three-month-old infant and his mother hid him, where did she place him? In a basket in the Nile River and because Moshe was saved from drowning by the Nile, because it provided him with shelter during that time, well, that's why he refused to strike the Nile for the first two plagues. And again, when it came to the third plague, which was lice, again, he was not the one to strike the dust of the earth. He told his brother to do it. Why? Because the earth again, was something that protected him. When he exacted retribution on an Egyptian taskmaster and killed that Egyptian, well, he was able to hide him in the dust. And Moshe felt a token of gratitude. Just think about this. Moshe was expressing his appreciation to the water and the earth for doing him a favor. And so... How long later Moshe refuses to strike them? Now just think about it. Do water and earth have feelings? Would they know the difference if they were struck or not? Would they care who was doing the striking? But Moshe would not strike the water or the earth. And this is many years later, like I said. If, for what reason? Even though they don't have feelings, even though they're inanimate, even though they are water, dust, but he still needed to be sensitive not to strike the objects that helped him, even if it was so long ago. And I think this gives us an incredible lesson on the importance, if you want to be happy, we have to have an attitude of gratitude. If we ought to show gratitude to something as inanimate as earth and water, how much more so to our fellow human beings who are there for us in our lives, how much more so to our parents, to our siblings, to our spouse, to our children, to our loved ones. Just think about a person who was there for you in your life. Regardless. I mean, Moshe, so many years before, maybe as a child, as a teenager, as a young adult, and have we shown them the appreciation, the gratitude for what they've done for us? Moshe serves as this extraordinary example, a role model for what we call Hakara Tatov, the imperative to show gratitude and appreciation to someone who's done good to us. And the truth is, this is a general theme in Judaism. Like I mentioned, I was at a funeral earlier, and when we're in the cemetery, we make sure to tuck our tzitzit in. Why? Because the tzitzit remind us of all the commandments of the Torah. And because once a person's no longer alive, 
deceased people can no longer perform the commandments. So as an act of sensitivity, we tuck our tzitzit in, not to embarrass, not to humiliate those who are dead, that they shouldn't be envious and jealous that we can do mitzvahs, and they cannot. Just think about it. I'm at the cemetery, unfortunately, way too often. I've yet, not even once, been approached by any dead person say, why are you taunting me with your tzitzis out that you get to do mitzvahs and I don't? But of course it's ingrained in us, the idea of sensitivity. And we could contrast this with Pharaoh and the Parsha. He was the king, the monarch of Egypt, and the Torah tells us that years earlier, if you go to the book of Bereshit, you'll see in the portion of Ayichi, when Yaakov meets with Pharaoh and confers blessing upon him, that whenever he approaches the Nile, it would actually rise before him, like greet him. And we know in Egypt there was very little rain, so the Nile had tremendous importance because it was the source of irrigation for the entire country. So because Pharaoh, whenever he would come to the Nile, the water would greet him, would ascend to his legs, it would welcome him, he should really show appreciation. That was the blessing that Jacob gave to him, Yaakov even gives to him. But what was his reciprocation? How did he treat the Nile? The Torah tells us in this week's portion that every morning Pharaoh would go out to the Nile. Why would he go there? Well, he had to relieve himself. That's how he repaid kindness to the Nile. And we see that in the Torah portion this week. So how does Moshe behave to the Nile? How many decades later after he benefited from it? He wouldn't lift the staff over it. He wouldn't strike it for the plague to emerge. So you have a difference here between Moshe and Pharaoh. For Moshe, the Nile sheltered him from the Egyptian baby killers. It protected him. So he reciprocates with kindness. For Pharaoh, the Nile, with its blessing from Jacob, shows him this great respect and reverence. It greets him every morning, but he has a completely different response. And I think this is, of course, an important message and lesson to us, not just the way Pharaoh treats the water, What does it say about Joseph, who basically saved the entire economy of Egypt? How does Pharaoh reciprocate? Doesn't know of his existence, forgets about him. And I think it's an important question that we got to ask ourselves. How do we feel about the people who have been kind to us? How do we reciprocate to people who've been generous and, and done good for us? Are we like Pharaoh defecating, relieving ourselves, urinating in them? knowing that they're nice and whatever. Just think about that question and think about our own lives. We'll be back. IFM 101.9 megahertz of life. And welcome back to Soul to Soul. And we're going to wrap it up here talking about how to find happiness in our life. Tanya talks. And I was highlighting some themes from the Torah portion this week. The contrast between Moshe Rabbeinu, between Moses, how he expressed his appreciation years later, not striking the water of the earth because he benefited from them, versus Pharaoh, who reciprocated in other ways. You know what Mark Twain once said? 
If you pick up a starving dog and make him prosperous, he will not bite you. This is the principal difference between a dog and a man. You know, as some of our grandparents used to say, why does that person hate me so much? I never did him any favors. You know, they tell the story about someone who was helping his friend out. He gave him a loan and obviously, obviously saved his future. So with the check or the cash, he gives him also a bag of pebbles. The fellow asks, what's this for? And he says, well, one day you might feel compelled to get angry with me. And who knows, you might even start hating me. It's a custom that some people have. So instead of pelting me with big rocks, I'd like you to please just throw these small ones instead. You know how sometimes maybe you hire someone, you take them off the gutter, you give them opportunities, connections, you care for them. And then at some point later, you suddenly feel they just don't like you. They mistrust you. They find faults in you. And you always wonder why. Why is he paying back a favor by hurting you? And obviously some people cannot deal with the fact that they owe something to someone. That they're indebted to somebody for doing something kind to them. And by finding fault in that person, by seeing them as a no-good Nick, they feel like, ah, now they're getting it right. And this was the personality of Pharaoh, but this was not the personality of Moshe. Moshe knew that you reciprocate kindness with kindness. You give back in a really, you show appreciation for when somebody's done good for you. And I think this is a very important message and lesson to us in the portion this week. You think about the Nile. What what special favor did it really do? It just floated the basket in which Moshe was placed. That's the nature of water. It's a law of physics that something lighter than water will float on the water. The Nile didn't go out of its way to do something special for Moshe. It just did what it does. And yet, even in such a situation, Moshe felt so compelled to give gratitude. And that, I think, is something that sometimes we lack in. If we could just have a little bit more of that attitude of gratitude to be able to say thank you to all those who've done us kindness in our life, regardless of why they did it, even if it didn't cost them anything, the fact is that if I benefited from this person, I have to be appreciative of it. When someone gains something from someone else, regardless of whether it was or wasn't a bother for them, the beneficiary has a responsibility to recognize that favor, to show the gratitude. And if we could just exercise that a little bit more in our own lives, we could see how Hakarata Tov, it's a moral responsibility that each of us has. In fact, you think about when we make Kiddush on Friday night and we cover the challah. What's the reason why we cover the challah? And we're told that we don't want to embarrass the bread. Because if you look at the sequence of the blessings that we make on food, bread is from the land of Israel is blessed with Eretz Chita Saora, right? It's a land of wheat, of barley, of pomegranates. If you go in the sequence of all seven kinds that the land of Israel is blessed with, wheat comes first, grapes comes much later. So 
when you're eating, we're told to always eat bread first. Yet on Shabbos, we have a obligation, a mitzvah of Kiddush first. So in order not to embarrass the bread, the bread that ordinarily would come first, we cover it. And again, this is teaching us about sensitivity. Even though the bread does not have feelings, I could assure you. But if we could exercise sensitivity to bread and to water and to deceased people, then in our own lives as well, we could express the love and appreciation to all those around us as well. And this, in fact, is, by the way, a commandment in the Torah, although the Egyptians persecuted us and gave us a hard time. But when we needed food, we came there and they provided for us under the direction of Joseph. And therefore, the Torah tells us that we are not mitzri. We are not to despise the Egyptian because we were strangers in their land, because we benefited from them. And just imagine, these guys enslaved us, they tortured us, they beat us, they murdered our innocent children. But we have to be grateful for the kindness that they did do for us, for the hospitality, the generosity that they offered us in the time that we were there when we needed their help. So this is the message and lesson. We're seeking happiness in our lives. People today have all types of reasons not to be happy. But if we could show gratitude if we could develop within our children, if we could inculcate that attitude that they have to respect their parents and respect their teachers and respect their elders and appreciate those who do good for them in their lives, then we'll all be in a much, much better place. And this is such an important... I mean, you just think about the word Jew, which comes from Yehuda, which means gratitude. We have so many times throughout the Torah throughout Jewish law that we are encouraged to express that gratitude. And this is why we see Moshe in our Parsha, who is the epitome of a Makar Tov, one who recognizes and appreciates the good. Let's do that in our lives. It's a mitzvah of, of expressing appreciation to our parents. In fact, that has a tremendous reward. And there are so many ways we could do that whether it's when we bench after we eat, whether it is the Bikurim that the Torah tells us to offer, whether it was the sacrifices, find a way in your life to express gratitude and you'll see how much happier of a person you'll be and how much more pleasant it will be for all those around us just to express the gratitude. By showing appreciation, we come to know how blessed we truly are for all the good things in our lives. So thank you for tuning in today here on Techai FM and thank the person next to you for being a good person in your life. See you back here next week, please God. Same time, same place, same station, only on 101.9 Chai FM, Carpe Diem.